Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, I'm back. Uh, I wasn't here this week, so you can't really say I'm, I'm always here. <laughs> you're always here in spirit, though right now you're kind of taking a little break because you're gone. On You were busy working while we were all having, well, turkey or fish or whatever we have on Thanksgiving. Do you have fish on Thanksgiving? I have the fish on Thanksgiving because I'm a pesky pescatarian. What, what kind of fish? Um, usually we have herring because it's oh. a white fish. Yeah. Um, and if you season it up properly, it's almost like turkey or swordfish. It's really good as well. But this year we had salmon because we were eating with my partner's parents and that's what they were comfortable making. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Salmon's kind of a safe fish. The secret of Thanksgiving is that as long as you have the right fixings, like you got the potatoes and the stuffing and, you know, sweet potatoes and cranberry sauce... The, the the meat doesn't really matter. That's true. Everyone fills up on the carbs mostly. So a uh, busy week as usual over on US Gamer. Um, Red Dead Online came out this week. I've been playing some of that. I would, I talked a little bit about how Red Dead Redemption Two needs to be treated as well as it's uh, well. It needs to be treated better than GTA Five. That's for sure. Because <laughs> you know GTA Five <laughs> never got any single player DLC. It's actually kind of obnoxious. Well, I didn't know that. And I mean, GTA uh, Online is, is just massive. On a more RPG-related note, Mike wrote about how Fallout 76 desperately needs any endgame. <laughs> it needs a lot of things, unfortunately, but yes, that's a, that's a start. Yeah, somebody in the comments uh, wrote, uh, let me see, um, why would anybody want to play this game to the end and then want to keep playing? <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Which is kind of brutal, I, I gotta say. Yeah, um, Bethesda has like kind of noticed that that things are kind of screwed up though, and they're like, "Oh, okay, we're we're gonna be doing two massive updates in December, and maybe that'll come to something." Yeah, we were talking. I was talking to uh, Tom Ori, who's our guides editor slash managing editor, and and like we're kind of of the agreement in agreement that as long as Bethesda Bethesda supports it, it can probably ultimately get on its feet. Yeah. Um. Like, a lot of these online service games ultimately do. It's just so many of them come out in what you might call an early access state and don't really come into their own until, like, two years later. Yeah, they kind of come out in alpha almost. Uh, But, yeah, of course, you have No Man's Sky, which is the primary example of a game that... uh, Of course, I've heard heard the argument that, yes, No Man's Sky was boring, but it wasn't utterly broken the way that Fallout 76 is. No Man's Sky just didn't have anything. Yeah, like, there was nothing to do. It was pretty boring, actually. And now it has, like, an actual loop, and it has an actual kind of focus, which is funny, because, like, the the crux of No Man's Sky is exploring, but mm-hmm. the best content involves hanging around one solar system. <laughs> so I'm playing Pokemon Let's Go right now, and I'm enjoying it, but it doesn't seem, like, particularly deep. Um, that's why I didn't think at first. How far have you gotten? I mean, I'm just now, I'm heading to the SSN, so I'm really not that far into Okay, it. so yeah, it's, you're still kind of in the, the first steps of the game, and, uh, like I said, it's, uh, I, I said this fully in jest, and I also mean it in, like, half-truth. It's not exactly Dark Souls, don't, you know, don't mistake me for saying that, but, uh, I, I, f- I found, like, good reason to keep on playing after the game. Like, the master, uh, battles are actually, they're quite difficult. Um, f- facing off against Mewtwo is quite different because uh, 
you know, you go up against Mewtwo, and it's not like you can just lob the Master Ball at him right away and catch him. You have to, you actually have to beat him raid style, as in, like you do in Pokemon Go. So, um, yeah, so I ha- I don't know what my levels my Pokemon were at when I beat uh, the Elite Four, you know, 40, 50, something like that. And Mewtwo was like 70-something, God only knows, and uh, he just like demolished my poor team because... Uh, they were not prepared for that, and it's not like I could just, like, take my turn to, to to throw the Pokeball at him and say, okay, it's over, because even if I did get, like, a little bit of HP off him, he'd just use Recover. So I need to have a, a good, strong, balanced team if I'm going to go after him. I think the thing a lot of people feel, the problem a lot of people have with Pokemon, or at least me, um, is that Pokemon presents a lot of hardcore mechanics, and it rewards you getting up to level 100 and maxing mm-hmm. out the level cap of your monster. But it doesn't provide a lot of ang- it doesn't provide a lot of content for to reward people who actually do that. The assumption is, oh, if you're doing that, you're probably going to battle. But right. I think for me, like I am less interested in PvP these days. I'm much more interested in kind of PVE, uh, playing against you know the Pokemon World Tournament or the Battle Frontier or that kind of thing. And we haven't had anything like that in actually a while. Not, I keep talking about, I keep lionizing Black 2 and White 2. Like, usually they just put in the Battle Tower. Yeah. And so I think a lot of the hardcore fans are looking at Pokemon Let's Go and just kind of shrugging. It's like, oh, I got to the end of the story. But well, you could yeah, actually... I can catch some legendaries, whatever. Well, you can go up against uh, all the um, all the gym leaders again. They have harder Pokemon. They have more Pokemon. They have full rosters. The Elite Four... I have filled out rosters, and they're all harder. And uh, of course, your uh, blue two point oh rival is uh, he's harder. And you got blue himself. You got uh, uh, green. You've got uh, I haven't unlocked red because you got to get like six master titles before you can do that. So there's a bit to yeah. do. Yeah, I think it can work better because it um, in Pokemon Let's Go you can't just immediately import your old team which is what I do with every version of Pokemon right uh, so I do actually have to grind and level guys up so maybe the end game content is going to be a little more satisfying this time around yeah I'd be interested to hear what you think yeah I'm going to try and finish it and right from the perspective of a hardcore quote unquote Pokemon player though at this point har- Pokemon, actual Pokemon players are so hardcore that I don't know if I can <laughs> count myself as hardcore anymore they're going to call you a baby cat they're going to laugh at you I'm a filthy casual Pokemon player. They're gonna street. They're gonna take away my license. I'm gonna be stripped of my master. Uh, <laughs> my master title. <laughs> Your Pokemon license. I'm gonna yeah. rip it up in front of you. And of course, the PlayStation Classic came out this week, and yeah, not great. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, they they made a lot of mistakes with this. No no doubt from the games that they selected to the fact that half of them are PAL versions, which means that. They're uh, 50 hertz, which uh, basically a lot of them play slower. That is, uh, is there any reason why they did that? I haven't read up on that yet. It's not entirely clear. Uh, Sony's not really talking about it. <laughs> I mean, I know some people at Sony. I'm curious to hear what they have to say about it, though they're not really talking about it right now. Just, I just... Uh, what a weird decision. This whole thing has been a weird de- decision from from start to finish. It's like, okay, PlayStation Classic. Hey, what a great idea. And everything else since that has just gone downhill. It feels like they looked at the SNES Classic and the NES Classic success and said, why don't we do that? But at every turn, they were just kind of throwing up roadblocks or taking shortcuts or just not giving it the attention it really needs to become a sensation. Yeah. But 
I don't know, like maybe the PlayStation Classic would never have really become a sensation like the NES Classic because the NES Classic was at this kind of perfect inflection point where like, I mean, if you look at the way that the pop culture um, mindset kind of narrows going way back to the 80s, Mm -hmm. like people remember the NES because there was something approaching a monoculture back in the 70s and 80s. And now that's... And even by the mid-90s, you had so many more options in terms of consoles, mm-hmm. uh, video games, entertainment in general. Like, cable was in full swing in 1995, <laughs> right? Yeah, wow. Um, but no, you're right. The NES was just one of those, it's just one of those things where everybody had one in their living room. Yeah. I mean, it was the Wii of its day. It really was. <laughs> even parents was, were buying it. It was the Wii before the Wii. Make sure to go check out Mike's review over on the site. And make sure to check out Katie's review of Persona 3 Dancing in Moonlight and Persona 5 Dancing in Starlight as well. And speaking of Persona, we are going to be talking, we're going to be doing something a little different this week with the Top 25 RPG Countdown, which is going into number nine Wow! this week. Getting, yeah, down, very getting there. Getting there. Getting down there. Uh, first, Axe of the Blood God. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are sold. Guess what, Nadia? We're on Spotify now. Oh, hooray, yay. You can Spotify us. We're one of the cool kids now. It's very exciting. (laughs) Yay. Follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia's at Nadia Oxford. And if you want to comment on the show, leave a comment on the show notes or drop me a line at cat.bailey at usgamer.net. Or, you know, just send me a message. My DMs are open. It's very dangerous of me to say that, but I'm Mm, curious to see what comes of it. You're brave. All right, let's go on and talk a little bit about number nine on our top 25 RPG countdown. All right, Nadia, we're doing something a little different this week. And so I I suppose I should talk a little bit about the process of the top 25 RPG countdown. Mm Mm-hmm. So the way that this originally came down together was that basically I drafted my initial list and we hashed over it for quite a long time. I swapped a bunch of games in and out. Like we argued about some things. Like I really wanted, the things that I really wanted to get right was I wanted to get the top 10 right. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure that the games that need to be on the list were on the list but also, I made the list in reaction a little bit to some of the other lists that had come out. Lists that had, for example, listed Skyrim at right. number one of oh, their RPG one. list. Yes, yes. Which galled me. And I know that <laughs> lists are just primarily troll jobs, but I, I, I couldn't deal. I, I needed to make my own list. And I also wanted to kind of like highlight games uh, that you wouldn't normally find on the top of a top 25 RPG list, but maybe deserve some more attention, like, you know, Tactics Ogre or Final Fantasy V. Like, I wanted to take a look at some of the games that, uh, like, some of the series that normally people would be like, oh, Skyrim should go in here. I'm like, well, should Skyrim go here? Or perhaps (laughs) Morrowind should go here. We teach the controversy here at uh, Acts of the Blood Guide. So we've had this list for quite a while now, and it's, it's been more or less locked in place. But one of the problems that we've been having is, do we put Persona 4 or Persona 5 at number 9? Like, I think that it fits right there, right at that spot. But um, 
Well, a couple things. First of all, <laughs> uh, Persona 5 has only has only been out just over a year, and I've been trying to avoid putting in games that came out within the past year because mm-hmm. one of my metrics is, does this game hold up? And it's hard to make an argument for whether Persona 5 holds up. It's one of the reasons that I put Divinity Original Sin on the list and not Divinity Original Sin 2. Right. Divinity Original Sin 2 is probably a better game. You can put Divinity Original Sin 2 right there if you feel like it should be there instead of divinity original sin either one i think it's practically interchangeable we allow it honest yeah i'll I'll allow it (laughs) it. persona 4 persona 5 kind of a more interesting case because persona 5 is a very different game for from persona 4 it is so i i think that i for a long time was kind of like okay persona 4 obviously then needs to be there because it's been here for quite a long time but the closer and closer we've gotten to actually doing the entry, the more I've been like, but should it be Persona 5? Is Persona 5 a better game? Not a better game than Persona 4? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm playing, a, I've played a lot of Persona 5 at this point. I'm, I'm very impressed by it. Uh, should I go against, like, what I originally set out and pick a game that came out friggin' last year to put on the top 10 RPGs of all time? <laughs> Anyway, yeah. so we're going to have a debate about this. <laughs> yeah, you've been, a, you've been in a bit of turmoil over this, and I understand why. I mean, I actually played, uh, as you know, Persona 4 around this, and Persona 5 kind of side by side for a while there. And I can understand why it's kind of a tight race. But anyway, I thought that it would be a good idea, Nadia, to talk this out mm-hmm. and just kind of figure out, like, which one should go on this list, Persona 4 or Persona 5? Because I, I think there's arguments for both. I not going to put Persona 3 on this list. Sorry, guys. Because while I think Persona 3 has a good story, I don't think it... I, I think it suffers from a lack of a definitive version. Like, I can't easily point somebody to, you know, Persona 3 Portable or Persona 3 Feds. Like, I get this question all the time. Mm-hmm. Which one should I play? I'm like, oh, kind of neither. Like, <laughs> we need the one that... I, we need the definitive one because both of those versions are very flawed at this point. Whereas I can point to a definitive version of Persona 4 or Persona 5. It makes it a lot easier. And plus, I, I think that Persona 4 is a better game ultimately than Persona 3. I, that That's me. I'm, I'm on that train. I think Katie might hit you for that. but I don't know that she'll hate me, but I know that she disagrees with me. That's fine. That's her prerogative. <laughs> <laughs> that is the Katie prerogative trademark. Absolutely. So uh, before we get into this... Let's talk a little bit about why exactly Persona like resonates so much. I mean, so if you look at the entire kind of Shimigami Tensei Malu, right? Mm-hmm. You got the the core series like SMT four, you've got like Nocturne, you've got Persona one and two, you've got a strange journey. I mean, there's a huge number of games in this franchise, but Persona three Persona 4 and Persona 5. Those are the games. And why, Nadia, do you think they resonate so much? Is it just because they are high school anime comedies? No, if that were the case, I probably would have dropped them real fast because I just, uh, if, if I'm going to play a high school anime comedy, you better give me a reason to stick around because uh, you and I have been, we've been around like long enough to see so many anime uh, high school comedies come and go that we are probably thoroughly sick of them unless they really offer something special and i think persona manages to do that 
Uh, I think I personally love the com like I generally love a combination of the mundane with you know the the, the fantastical. You know what I mean? And Persona tackles that really well with like, oh, you got school, but you also get to like travel underneath this like subway station that's like actually a representation of the collective minds of everyone in, 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 in Japan. And, uh, you know, it's named after like the Kabbalah, of course, because of course it is. And there's like all these like demons from different cultures just slumming around there because of course they are. And you can talk to them and you can make friends with them. Or if you don't want to do that that day, you could just do drama club. <laughs> they really lean into the whole union uh, thing of the the collective consciousness, but also Japanese mythology. It's distinct in that way, that's for sure. Uh-huh, it really is, and uh, I really enjoyed about that. Plus, I think Persona Five in particular had such a such an amazing style that it was hard to look away from. I think that Persona Three, Persona Four, and Persona Five are as popular as they are for the same reason that Blizzard games are as popular as they are, which is to say that they managed to walk a very tight, difficult tightrope where they can grab in, they have enough depth that they can grab in really hardcore fans. Um, they they have something to chew on, right? Yeah. There's so many games you play and there's no there there. But like you play a game like, I don't know, StarCraft, and it has some of the most intense in-depth strategy you'll find. Um, Persona 4, Persona 3, 4, and 5 don't skimp on the actual RPG mechanics. It, it doesn't try to be overly simple. And yet, it is accessible to a mainstream audience in a way that the rest of the games in the Shimagami Tensei series are not. It's tough for me to recommend Strange Journey to a random person right because it is pretty dang hardcore it's a hard game it can be hard to get around your mind around it can be hard to go like parse all of these dense menus and that kind of thing yeah and smt games like smt4 is another example uh traditionally do not pull their punches and i think that's cool and i i, I respect that about it but i have a much easier time recommending say persona 4 persona 5 to a friend of mine who doesn't really normally play these games, but maybe likes anime. It's, uh, they're, they're very, um, strangely enough, the Persona is, it is quite accessible, especially in the way that it's very structured. Uh, it tells you what to do day by day, and even though you, you still have an element of choice, you're, you're not wandering aimlessly anywhere on an open world, and uh, as silly that might sound, um, it actually, I find some people are actually very intimidated by open worlds and, and kind of like the structure of just the day-to-day -day literal uh, uh, kind of predictability of being told where to go and what to do. And, you know, here's school. Do you want to go to work or do you want to do this? Y you know what I mean? Yeah, but at the same time, you have you can have a serious case of FOMO with these games. where <laughs> To the point where, like, you become invested in wanting to make sure that you're living your best CPU life. That's true. Um, I remember when I played Persona 4 for the first time, I was sweating bullets with every single day to the point where I was just reading a day-by-day -day guide to make sure that I was getting everything I possibly could. This time around with Persona 5, I'm not doing that mm -hmm. and I'm still regretting it because I'm like, <laughs> I look at the list of things that people are doing. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> How did you do that? I'm a little more laid back when it comes to that kind of thing. I'm just like, I know I can't see everything, so I don't try. 
uh, I mean, you got to have that attitude kind of going into it, right? Because mm-hmm. it feels like you're cheating yourself by using a guide because if you're using a guide, you're not exploring and discovering and you're just following a rote step-by-step path and it's almost like you're not playing it. Yeah, and I mean, part of the fun of, of games like this is talking to someone who's played them and learning their experience was in some ways totally different from yours. And there's always so much to do these in these games and so much to find Mm-hmm. Uh, on a regular basis, like dumb things like today I'm going to build a model. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I know, for example, you built like all the models, but I just I I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't care enough to do the models. But there you go. It's something I didn't care about, but you cared about. Or beating the beef bowl challenge. Oh, I can't remember if I did that. I tried. I tried. I did try, but I don't know if I ever did it. Well, Persona 4 and Persona 5 are <laughs> pretty similar in that regard. Which is why I can kind of feel comfortable being like, yeah, like they either one could probably be in this spot because there's not that much separating them ultimately. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think there are arguments to be made for both of them, but at base, like from a fundamental standpoint, they're very similar games. Yeah. Um, I think it really comes down to how, you know, one's presentation versus another's story. Like they're so, they're so similar yet so different in, in, in weird ways. Um, looking at Persona 4 and Persona 5, I, I think that another thing that I, I think there is kind of a power to this narrative of high schoolers who are like kids who are going to school by day and then fighting monsters by night. Like you see that over and over and over again. It, it The formula works with Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. It worked with uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I mean, how many supernatural high school things have you seen? I mean, frickin' Twilight, for God's sake. Oh, like, it, God. it resonates with people. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm so mad about Twilight sometimes. Anyway. And for, I think, Western audiences, like, it's that kind of fun of seeing what it's... To at least get a glimpse of what it's like to actually live in Japan or go to a Japanese high school. Yeah, I, I do like how... Uh, the series is very, very Japanese in that, like, I, when I played, I learned thing about, I learned things about Japan, and I think uh, when I was playing Persona 4, I would ask you about certain things that you knew that I didn't. Though, it's different because the Japanese high schoolers that I knew when I was teaching were always busy going to cram school. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't have time to go, like, go to the underworld and, and fight demons. Correct. They did not have time to actually fight monsters in Japanese high school. They were basically going to second school at night or clubs. Yeah, yeah. You, you could go to club in Persona 4. Like, uh, I think there was a big drama around the drama club, but I never, I didn't choose drama club. Yeah, so I was I in the know. band. Yeah, I was in the band too. And you could be in student console in Persona 3? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, but, but in Persona 5, you couldn't be in any of the clubs, and so and that actually rubbed some people the wrong way. Yeah, that's right. There was there weren't any clubs, were there? No. Well, I think the narrative is that the main character is a troublemaker, therefore right. they wouldn't be they wouldn't yeah. be welcome in the clubs. No, they were very much ostracized for um, who they were. So even if they were welcome, they probably wouldn't want to hang around. And I think uh, his caretaker, at least at the very beginning of the game, was like after school, like directly after school, you got to come back here because you're on probation. I think in both Japan and in in a lot of countries. Um, High school has a certain power, um, good or bad. It, you look back on it as a very like distinct phase of your life. Yeah, and you can look back on it with a kind of, wow, man, those were the 
those were such great times and I made such wonderful friends. And I, I think a lot of games like Persona or, or Buffy or whatever capture that where like the characters always have these really strong friend groups and they mm-hmm. always build these relations and they have romantic relationships that can go, go, go well or go badly. And then in the end, uh, they transition and go off to college and the whole world like lies ahead of them. There's a power to that. Yeah. And it can work I, if you have good memories of high school and it can work if you have bad memories of high school. Like I look back on my high school experience and <laughs> like it's a little bittersweet because I never had anything even approaching to like, you know, I was hardly exactly what you would call popular. Uh-huh. But, you know, I, I had my good times. And there are yeah. times where it's like, oh, so this is what like a good high school experience could hypothetically look like. <laughs> I was very much the same way. I went to a very nerdy school to begin with. Uh, so, I mean, that's where I learned how to use the internet. And I actually learned what the hell the internet was. Was I was actually part of like some premier program that Ontario was starting. Like, someone came up to me and said, hey, we have this cool thing called the internet. You want to learn about it? And I'm like, sure. Okay. So I learned how to use the internet. It's all been all downhill since then. Yeah, I was pretty much living on the internet by high school, but I was lucky enough to be in band class, and that's where all the nerds were, and so <laughs> I did get to hang out and be exposed to things like Magic the Gathering and Pokemon and Smash Brothers and D&D and Evangelion, which, by the way, Evangelion's coming back. <laughs> yeah, it's coming to Netflix. Yeah. So, in that regard, I think Persona 3, 4, and 5 tap into something very powerful, like that very powerful form of nostalgia, which is why I think it appeals to a lot of people. And interestingly, I think all three of them are fairly similar to kind of Western RPGs in a lot of respects, because even though you don't customize your avatar, in many respects, they aren't they're not really their own character. They have a backstory, mm-hmm. but they're totally a silent protagonist and and you are making their decisions for them. Yes. And so there is that additional layer of investment that you have in that particular character. Yeah, it was like, put it this way, uh, the, uh, the protagonist for Persona 4 and 5, and I'm guessing 3 as well, they have names. And if you ask me what are their names, I could not tell you off the top of my head. I well, think You know five... what Persona 4's uh, protagonist is named, right? No. Four. You. Oh, for... F- <laughs> <laughs> but it's spelled Y-U. Of course it is. Yeah, it's you. <laughs> I mean, so it's like self-insert, right? I mean, oh, you, that's, are that's meant, you are meant to feel like you're in that character's skin and you have supernatural powers and you're making all these friends with these fun, vibrant characters, which, by the way, that's another thing with 3, 4, and 5. Uh, 3 and 4 have fairly similar archetypes for their casts, but uh, 4 um, four and 5, well, I, I guess 3, 4, and 5 all have fairly similar archetypes for their classes, but they're all sketched out in just different enough ways and they all mm-hmm. have interesting enough backstories that you can't help become, but become invested in them, And right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, Persona 5, uh, the characters, the individual characters had darker backstories uh, versus Persona 4s. Uh, but yeah, they, they all kind of fit into certain archetypes, definitely. I always liked that Persona 4 like was brighter and more fun and maybe not as dark because persona five gets into some both persona three and five get into some like pretty heavy territory yeah uh whereas it's a little 
easier to identify with some of the stuff that's going on in Persona 4. In Persona 4, uh, I think there's a, a daily quest you could do where you make friends with a cat. And yes, I'm, I made friends with the, I made really good friends it with the cat. It wasn't a cat. It was like a fox in like a temple. No, you can make uh, – there was the fox. That was uh, the hermit um, – arcana but uh, there was a cat standing by the river and you could visit the cat every day and eventually it would have a kitten and you would talk to the kitten oh. and it would say meep and <laughs> that's adorable <laughs> it was very cute but the fox was there yes i made friends with him as well the brilliance of that format of going day by day and hanging out with the characters in the game is that it dramatically increases your investment in the world mm-hmm. and dramatic dramatically increases your investment in the individual characters to the point where you're like, oh man, we had such good times. Uh, And I felt like I really did get to know that character over time. And I got to see their own little emotional arc play out. And there's a satisfying catharsis at the end that ultimately does have an impact on how it all plays out. So I think that's all impactful. And then if you look at the battle systems, um, the battle system works because it's a, strategic rather than ta- it, it, it manages to mix both strategic and tactical elements in a way that a lot of modern rpgs aren't as good at mm-hmm. like a lot of rpgs these days like uh final fantasy has become like a pure action game basically yeah. like very light strategic elements but it, it doesn't really um matter and other games get so get so involved in strategic elements that the tactical elements start to lose um any kind of meaning but in persona four and five you'll have um you will go ahead and uh you'll spend a lot of time merging your um your personas you have Mm -hmm. it it ties in really nicely into the the relationships that you are developing in the game because it powers up those particular personas right um it feels really good to get a particularly powerful persona that you get to keep for quite a while. Yes. Um, that gives you lots of coverage. But then when you're fighting in the battles, it's not just a matter of being really powerful. Often these bosses have their own little trick to them that you have to mm-hmm. kind of figure out. You like, And usually multiple phases, and it, it can be actually pretty stressful even if you're relatively powerful. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I had a really terrible time against in Persona Four. Uh, the the false uh, the the dude who you think is is actually the murderer, but mm. isn't, and you fight him, and he has that weird ass angel peace love hippie angel thing going on, and that was a real bitch of a fight. I had a hard time with that one because I think it's yeah. like he'd regenerate or something like that. Yeah, a lot of people were pointing out actually that that's one of the hardest fights in the entire game. Yeah, <laughs> and that. The 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 last couple fights don't even actually compare to that one because it's no when they happen I'm like oh okay that's it I guess great music though <laughs> they're really complicated and like like I said they they take place over multiple phases and mm-hmm. they'll do things like they'll take control of your characters or they'll oh, um yes. or they'll wipe out stat buffs or they'll buff themselves so you have to counter it, it kind of takes a lot of the best elements of Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy and merges them together while mm-hmm. also adding in a Pokemon-like uh, um, uh, elemental weakness aspect to it, though that doesn't as apply as much against bosses because obviously that would make it a little easy. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Um, yeah, that's one thing I actually really like about, uh, of uh, 
five above four is that you can uh, you can talk to demons to try to befriend them. It's not just like, oh hey, you won a card after after a, a battle in four, which is like, oh great, I'm playing Pokemon now. I guess like Pokemon the card game. So let's. So we've kind of established like these are good games. Like I, I think Persona three, four, five, they're all like really good in their own way. They all tell. I would say pretty interesting stories. Like I have a pretty firm grasp on like what Persona Five wants to be and its mm-hmm. characters um, at this point, uh, and its battle system. I-, I think it does a lot of really uh, interesting things, and they all have kind of their own personality, which I really like. But when I when I look at the three, I, I think the one that's the defining one of the bunch is still Persona Four. And uh, let me kind of explain why. So, mm-hmm. Persona, when Persona 4 came out in 2008, it was kind of disregarded by people who really liked Persona 3 because they're like, oh, it's just more Persona 3. And it changed up the format a bit. It didn't have the, uh, the Tartarus where you're going floor by floor by floor. Like, mm-hmm. you could just bang out a dungeon and then get back to, uh, you know, hanging out with your friends and everything. And superficially, the characters seemed relatively sim- similar, and the story didn't seem quite as dark as that of Persona 3. And I know that I'm making a lot of, I- I'm making a really good case for Persona 4 right now. But <laughs> when Persona 4 Golden came out in 20, I think 12, 2013, uh, the popular opinion on it, I think, really changed. And it mm-hmm. kind of became, like, one of the Vita's, like, main success stories, I want to say. Yes. Like, it... <laughs> Vita it, means life, all right. It felt like a lot of people turned and said, no, I, in fact, Persona 4 was the best. And that's, I think, because people were given a chance to, I don't know, put on their glasses that cut through the fog. and <laughs> Nice analogy. And enjoy persona 4 on its own terms and in that they discovered that in fact the characters were really good and really well sketched out Mm -hmm. and that it managed to stand on its own in a way from persona 3 in the way that it moved from a kind of more of a city port kind of area to uh, to a more rural area, right? Right. While expanding upon like a lot of the activities that you could do, uh, refining the battle system, telling a very different kind of story that, like, people might go, "Oh, it's a Scooby Doo mystery- murder mystery," but <laughs> it really cuts to the heart of a there's a lot of the darkness that there is today. Like Persona Five yes. wants to tell a story that's like really relevant and once it's beating you over the head with all of these themes like uh-huh, all of one the, after another one after another it's it's almost like a parable or uh-huh. something like that for like various ills of society whereas one of the the main villain of persona 4 and i was kind of looking back on him um is adachi uh-huh and uh he spends the entire game being this nerdy, unassuming detective. And you're like, oh, that's kind of, you know, whatever. But when he's unmasked, you discover, like, just kind of how dark he is. And yeah, very, very nihilistic in a very, really terrible way. Not just a nihilist, but a, a misogynist. Um, yes. Someone who uh, approaches, like, the first murder that happens is because he was trying to 
basically, uh, you know, harass her sexually and right. trying to get with her. And then when she uh, didn't go along with him, he kills her. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's dark. <laughs> and it, like, it honestly, in a, in a very horrible way, like, fits where we are as a society. Like, it, its themes really resonate. Um, yeah. Sadly, so there's... Yes there's kind of a mundanity to how evil he is, but in a good way, like the banality of his evil resonates maybe a little more than with a, you know, somebody who like decides that, Oh, I'm going to destroy God or <laughs> yes. do you see what I'm saying? Or even yeah. like in persona five where it's like, I, I run everything to try and take me on kid. I mean, I like, I am an evil, powerful billionaire asshole. Right. Right, which is also very topical, but uh, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, he felt real to me. Like, yeah, exactly. I feel like a lot of us have known an Adachi. Like, maybe we, maybe he's not a serial killer. But, <laughs> Hopefully, but the the person who's kind of like a goof and unassuming. But when you like pull back the layers, you're like, ooh, ah, right? Yeah, yeah. And you, I'm trying to remember exact. Um, moments of the game that kind of uh that relate this but i remember looking back at, at certain instances in the game after i i discovered who the culprit was and i and saying to myself yeah i i you know the signs were always there and i just i just kind of willfully ignored them because i assumed he was just oh some weird goofy ass guy but no there was a there was a method to his madness and there's a melancholy and to persona 4 that i really like like <clears throat> I think that there's a place for Persona 5 having, you know, in all caps, a message, mm-hmm. which I, I think that's cool. Like, I like my media to have a message. I'm, I'm a big Star Trek fan, actually. Mm-hmm. But with Persona 4, like, you see, uh, it, it's examining a lot of different themes in kind of fairly interesting ways, like things like the way Juness comes into town. Um, right. And how, Nanako? Um, Nanako. Yeah, I can never remember her name. I can never remember any of their names. Or Nanako. Nanako-chan. How she is, like, so lonely and, you know, her father's always gone and she's, like, obsessed with this freaking store. And, like, man, that's depressing, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's, like, a... she God, she's, like, a little girl who has nothing in her life except a commercial. (laughs) Yeah, and you're trying to help her out. And then you look at the rest of your schoolmates and... You look at, especially like one of the re- another reason that I really like Persona Four is the the, the relationship between Yukiko and Chie, mm-hmm. and like both of them look at each other and they see kind of what they want to be or they see their own failings. Like right. Chie looks at Yukiko and is like, uh, "If only I could be like as pretty as you and like on top of things and smart and like." And just totally having a handle, like totally organized. And Yukiko, of course, is looking at Chie and being like, I'm stuck in this horrible life that I can't escape. And you are so like with it and carefree and awesome and everything. And right. I totally want to have sex with you. So <laughs> this, that's not canon at all. Nah, cough, cough. No, but I, I could, uh, I'm sure it's like very strong fan and I can see it. Does Persona 5 have anything even close to the relationship between Chie and Yukiko? Oh, I'm trying to think. Uh, let's see. No, here's the thing with Persona 5. I feel like its story and its character bonds aren't quite as strong as uh, as Persona 4's were, and I will gladly 
uh, say that as the case, um, particularly the story, because as you say, Persona 5 has a message, and if Persona 5 is a game, it's a megaphone on full blast. <laughs> Whereas uh, Persona 5 has something very important to say, Persona 4 has also has something important to say, but it allows itself to be a little quieter, maybe because it comes from a time when things weren't didn't seem quite as bad as they are now, you know what I mean? Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, I, things were bad ten years ago. The friggin' world economy was on the verge of collapsing. Yeah, it's all, it's all been pretty terrible, but uh, not a, a comedy of, of horrible disasters every single day like it is now, I suppose. Uh, but I'm I'm trying to think of like, see, as much as I love the characters in in Persona in Persona Five, I don't think they had that same chemistry going on. Well, I look at um, in Persona Five. A lot of the characters are used to kind of make a point. Exactly, right? yeah. Like, so you have On, right? Yeah. And On is, she's a model, and she's dealing with that kind of horrible side of that particular industry. Like, she's yes. a vector for telling that kind of story. Um, or you have um, uh, Makoto, who I, I think she's the student council one. <laughs> the one Makoto is actually... Con- She's really cool. She has like a really interesting story arc, but yeah, yeah. I mean, she she is a lot of about uh, the achievement co- culture in Japan, right? Yes. Where you got to have perfect grades, you got to do all of the things, and then you have uh, the girl who whose mother ends up dying, and she's in uh, she's a shut in, and she's Nefutaba. dealing with yeah, yeah. And so each one is kind of hitting on a particular uh, thing that is happening exactly. in Japan in a different way, right? Right. And that's that's an interesting way to tell a story. And I think that the relationships are fun and everything. I think Morgana's of I think Morgana's like one of my favorite kind of mascot characters. I like oh, Morgana yeah, better great. than Teddy. Yeah, definitely less pervy than Teddy, which is a big thing. Morgana it's like there's there's a sadness in Morgana because like so I, I've known a friend I've I, I have a friend who's had memory loss and oh. Like that feeling of you've lost something and you don't even necessarily know who you are, like mm-hmm. is like it's resonant. It's not it's not kind of there there's a there's a melancholy to Teddy as well, but Teddy as a character is also kind of pervy and silly. Yeah. <laughs> Always with the perviness. Definitely with the perviness, but uh yeah. Morgana doesn't have that quite as much going on. She, uh, I keep calling her a she, even though like the character it's because of the voice. It, it is. It's uh, Cassandra. I forget her last name, but um, he is. Uh, he has like this crush on Lady On that I. He calls her Lady On, and I find is actually more cute than pervy. Hmm. I think Persona Five uh, does a lot of good things. Um, for example, uh, it has the. The dungeons are much better, I yeah. think, ultimately. Yes, I, f- I find that ultimately, as a game to play, Persona 5 is, is to me, bet- the better game. It has better visuals, better uh, sound. The soundtrack is phenomenal. And uh, the dungeons, I think, are really interesting. They're really well designed. I like the fact that Demon Negotiation is back. But as far as the bond between the characters go, the, it's a little bit, little bit looser than it is in, in 4. Uh, so I think that that counts for something, and I also think the problem is that let's face it, Persona 5's localization wasn't as good as it could have been. No, and and 4's was excellent. Is, 
I think that's one of the big things that's kind of holding me back with Persona 5 mm-hmm. is when I, well, so we talked about this last year and we were like going, so Persona 5's localization, is it that bad? And right. we were kind of uncertain about that because when it comes down to it, it largely gets the job done and we've seen yes. some truly horrific localizations, but it's definitely I don't, possible. I don't think there's any denying that it is not up to the traditional standard of Atlas. It has, Mm -hmm. it definitely needed another editing pass. Um, There's a lot of awkward phrasing and such in there. I I think that the voice acting isn't quite as good as in Persona 4. Like Persona 4, uh, like gave us people like Troy Baker who um, played Kanji and is now like much in demand. Um, like, it had legit good voice acting in a lot of respects. And Persona 5, in many ways, isn't quite up to that level. And so it's like, uh, it's kind of a bummer because you feel like you really needed an A-plus localization job to truly do that script justice. Yeah, you did. And um, I have to give the voice actors credit. I think they did the best with what they had. I think they, they did. They, yeah, they really went at it. Like, they were just like, energetic as possible. They did. And they, I think they were the ones who ultimately, they did sell the story for me. That uh, They just, when you stopped to read the words they were saying, you were like, wait, that doesn't really sound like it should. But when you heard it, you were like, okay, that's passable. Yeah. Uh, so when I look at, I, I know, like, more than a few localization ex, uh, specialists, and they are all pretty down on uh, the Persona 5 uh, script. And it's like, ooh, yeah, like hearing hearing it from people. And, and I'm not just talking about people who are like, you know, quote unquote, jealous of not being able to uh, localize Persona 5, which I've seen some speculation on that and like yeah. various subreddits and that. No, these are people who are like in high level localization positions. Trust yes. me. And yes. have at various points had connections to projects like big time RPG projects, and they they kind of killed it. <laughs> they were killing yeah. it to me, and I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. That is yeah, a real they were they were pretty mad about that. Yeah. So we've been down on we've been talking about Persona Four and kind of knocking down Persona Five. Nadia, like you were like, I, I think we should put Persona Five on this list over Persona Four. Like, uh, make your case. Well, it's not like I would, like, just thump my heels on the floor if you said, no, it's going to be Persona 4, because I, t- I totally see where you're coming from. When you're talking about an RPG, yes, localization matters. Yes, the bond between the characters matters. And taking a step down from those two things is, it's not exactly something an RPG series should do. But, like I said, um, I just find that Persona 5 is the, it's the more interesting looking game, the more interesting sounding game, uh... I just had a blast playing it. Uh, there's so much to do, uh, just so many characters to interact with, and I'm also a city girl, so I just really love running around Shibuya. Uh, I had just a, a really good time doing crazy things like, hey, you can go fishing in a moat. Like, holy crap, I can fish in a moat. And- <laughs> I mean, you can fish in Persona 4, too. <laughs> yeah, you can, although the fishing mechanics are a lot better in 5, just putting it out there, and the fact that you are fishing in, in an Edo area moat in, that's in the middle of Tokyo. I was like, holy crap. Yeah, they really refined so much about Persona 5. Uh, like, if you look at the actual battle system, um, mm-hmm. for example, like, bringing in the demon uh, the, the demon discussions, uh, the demon negotiation system was a really nice touch, I think, that harkens back to the original, pers- I mean, 
I mean, the original Shimagami Tensei games. Yeah. Like, that had kind of gotten lost in Persona 4. And, like, I'm I'm kind of back and forth on the dungeons, though, because they're, I, I think they are much more elaborate and yeah. benefit from being bespoke, but they can overstay their welcome just a tiny bit. I can't remember if they have to be all completed in one day, or can you come back to them? I think you I mean, can come some back of them, them you can complete in one day, because... Like, if you try and do that, like, sometimes you just come up against an artificial barrier and you got to come back tomorrow. Right. Okay. I remember now. Um, yeah, I see where you're coming from. The dungeons can be very long. I think that's something that happens with a lot of JRPGs these days. But I also, I don't know, just remembering how I just blazed through most of the dungeons in Persona 4 and it didn't make much of an impression on me and combine that with the fact that, like I said, the demons came printed on cards, I didn't really feel like I got a good chance to really connect to persona 4's world and it's it's demons and i i feel like we're talking about persona game that's a pretty big over overlook trust in the heart of the cards oh god what i i think the reason that they did that with persona 5 was that they were looking at people who were basically shotgunning persona 4's dungeons in one (laughs) day so that they could get back to doing things during at school which i mean i gotta go to school Guilty as charged, right? I mean, I wanted to get through that dungeon as fast as possible so that I didn't miss any of the the, the connections that I was making, right? Mm-hmm. That's fair. So here's the counterpoint that I'm going to make to this. My counterpoint is that, in fact, the dungeons aren't the main part of Persona. And they're fine, and the battle system is generally good, and crafting Personas is fun, and the bas- battles can be really f- a lot of fun. But to me, the heart of the appeal of Persona is going to school. <laughs> That's an interesting way of putting it. But yes, I, I see where you're coming from because, I mean, if it wasn't school, well, it would just be Shin Megami Tensei, wouldn't it? Or something like that, or just another RPG, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, I'm always happiest when the door, when the the school bell rings, and it's like, what do I do now? Do I yeah. go and I do I go, hit the batting cages? I guess it would be Yakuza. Um, <laughs> do I hit the batting cages or do I go fishing or do I go take a bath? Do I watch a video? Do I read a book? Do I go on a date? Uh, I'm I've I need to. Uh, there's a fortune teller in uh, Shibuya. I'm gonna go meet her and find out what's what's up with her and like yeah. build up my social bond with with her. In Persona Four, like I think one of the like to get back to what we were talking about earlier, like why did Persona 4 uh, suddenly become so much popular with Persona 4 Golden? Well, one of the reasons is that you could have a social link with Adachi. I mean, that was a that was a brilliant touch. <laughs> oh, I, I never did that. Have you ever done that? Uh, yeah. Well, I, okay. So I didn't do it because okay. I beat Persona 4 Golden uh, first. Like I didn't beat the original Persona 4. So right. I, I was beating Persona 4 Golden and I kind of ignored the Adachi uh, social link and so when I found out that he was the killer I was like oh I should have done that oh, social link man. that would have been great I'd have to look that up because I'm really curious how that goes I mean I, I made a I mean people like make fun of me because I made a social link with Marie so do people make fun of you for that oh yeah all the time they're like Nadia on Twitter if I say anything about her <laughs> it's like hey I scored with her what do you want I'm the That's- winner here not you I like the characters like Marie and all of them the, the ones who are in the the Velvet Room, who, like, want to come out and experience the real world. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly who she is. And she had, like, a, a nice dungeon at the... Actually, kind of a very melancholy dungeon at the end of the game, uh, if you were A-Link with her. 
and you find out who she is and all that. I miss the content. I feel bad. I need more content in my life. <laughs> she is, uh, I, I don't know if I want to spoil it, actually, so... I mean, we're spoiling everything. This is a That's spoiler true. We kind of went, we went ahead. And, uh, she is, uh, I can't remember the name of the legend, but there's a Japanese legend about a, a maiden who comes from the moon and, like, you know, has to return or something like that. So it's, it was, she was kind of the personification of that. And I just remember the last dungeon that, the, that you do that's, like, finding out, like, uh, what, what happens to her. Because after you finish the game, she disappears. And uh, I can't remember the name of the other lady sta- uh, who's in the velvet room, but she, like, tries to help you find her and when you find out where she is you have to go through this dungeon with this this is really sad music and you uh you eventually find her but it's it's all very kind of depressing the um adachi social link i I actually ended up watching it on youtube and Mm -hmm. you kind of cut to the heart of like who he is where he came from like what his upbringing is like why he is kind of an awful person about women Mm -hmm. and at the end, you can actually, if you get your social link high enough with him, mm-hmm. you could actually help him get away with the crime. Oh, my God. Yeah. For a minute, I thought you were going to be like, you can help him, like, turn around. And, well, no. I think by that point, he's, he's killed a bunch of people, so you can't really yeah. help him turn around at that point. Though, apparently, he is redeemed a little bit at the end of the game, interestingly. Really? Uh, because he he's cheering, he's among the voices cheering for you when you're fighting, like, the final, final boss. And, I'm an asshole. Go for it. Yeah, like, I think that he has remorse. It doesn't make him a good person, but maybe he's starting to see the error of his ways by the end of the game. I don't know. But well, when it comes to Adachi, um, so yeah, like, you can help him get away with it, which in- unlocks an entirely new ending. I-, I think stuff like that is really cool. And that is that is really amazing. Creepy, uh, but amazing. He's the best He's the best villain in the Persona games. And I agree. Like, so delving into his kind of past is um, a good creative choice, I want to say. So, so anyway, yeah, so that's an, that's one thing with the dungeons. Like, I, I just think that the social links and the day-to-day of going to school is more important than the actual dungeon exploration. And while Persona 5 definitely has better dungeons, I don't know if it matters as much. The one where you're, like, the the mob boss dungeon, uh-huh. like that was that was a good dungeon. It was yeah. also really long. Yeah, they. I have to admit, they are they are all quite long. Um, although they're all very interesting in their design. Mm. Like, there's still you still have some of the best ones coming up, and one of the creepiest ones, frankly. So your so your primary argument for Persona Five is they've refined everything, they've built everything, um, they built everything up. Like, you can point to things that are definitively better than Persona 4, and so therefore, yes. like, it's just the more evolved version of Persona 4. I think so, although I still concede to a lot of your points, particularly, I think, Persona 4. Uh, Persona 5, like we've discussed, has good characters. I like them all, except they don't have that same bond that they had in 4. Um, I don't exactly know why that is. I'd have to look more into that. Uh, I'm not saying they don't have any bond at all, and they're, but you know what I mean, and Persona 4 definitely had has the, the better villain. I won't say any more than that. Um, and uh, yeah, but otherwise, I I just enjoyed myself more with Persona 5. Uh, I loved my time with Persona 4 as well, although I did play them side by side and kind of had a really good chance to compare. So I, I suppose we haven't really discussed the, the elephant in the room, which is <laughs> the whole... 
um, how it handles uh, character, like how Persona Four handles character arcs, like Kanji. Like we we discussed, we we devoted an entire podcast episode about this. So I don't want to spend like the next hour rehashing right. that entire conversation. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, basically, the gay panic. With, the gay uh, panic kanji. aspects of it. I mean, which are definitely like lighter in Persona Five. Yeah, they they're not perfect by a long shot, but they are definitely lighter in Persona Five, which is nice. I think I just remember the um, there was an incident with with NPCs and like, haha, look how gay they are! Aren't they crazy and predatory? But uh, thankfully, there wasn't any like ongoing gay jokes about like, uh, ew, don't touch me, you might be gay, which is really a shame that was even part of Persona 4 because mm. Kanji was such an interesting, great character, and I think they really could have gone somewhere with that whole thing, just, you know, hey, shut the hell up, Yusuke, I'm just a dude who likes feminine things because I was raised with a mother who's a seamstress. Go dunk your head, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, and we've talked at some length about the character of Kanji and how... The character of Kanji definitely has some like serious gay panic. Apparently, Troy Baker played Kanji like he is gay, which I oh, really? found interesting. Um, but I th- so the gay panic aspect is unfortunate. Uh, but I think there's like some worthwhile things going on there where he is learning to embrace maybe the fact that, hey, he can do things that are stereotypically feminine and it's not a bad thing. Oh like, yeah, he yeah. could be a masculine dude who likes freaking sewing, and he's good at it. That yeah, to me is a positive thing. That is definitely a positive thing because I'll tell you what, I hate sewing and I'm terrible at it. <laughs> so if you're good at it and you enjoy it, I don't care like what gender you are. More power to you. You're you're amazing. Uh, the only disappointment I really have in, in response to that is uh, just they kept harping. Like uh, Yosuke kept on going on and on about like you know. Hmm. I don't want to catch the gay from you, number one. Number two, um, Naoto, that's it. Um, I just, uh, I really, really, really didn't like the the bathhouse scene with her. That really made me seriously uncomfortable. Naoto's, oh, you mean when they're trying to get her to wear the swimsuit? They're trying to force her into the, get naked in the bath, and she's just, mm-hmm. like, really, really uncomfortable with it, and they're just like, come on, you know, and they're just kind of grabbing at her, and it's like, God, leave her alone, for Christ's sake. Now, it does an interesting case, because, uh, I mean, we also talked about this at some length, but, like, she is clearly extremely uncomfortable, like, with her femininity, and mm-hmm. it puts it out that, I, I think the, the, the message that the game is trying to say is essentially... Look, Naoto, like, is a girl who wants to be, like, a rad detective, and she thinks she can't be that because even though, because she thinks that's, like, a masculine thing, so therefore she has to be masculine. But it's okay. Like, she can totally, it's totally fine. She can, uh, she can be whatever she wants. But the character is still self-evidently very uncomfortable with, like, presenting exactly. as female. and. Yeah the game like is trying to get laughs out of her forcing her into that uncomfortable position and it made me feel self-conscious i'll tell you that much (laughs) yeah me too it's like i um even though i do identify as like a you know cisgender mostly straight female it's just there are certain aspects that really made me connect to naoto because uh if i put on any sort of feminine clothing i feel very much like an imposter like Mm -hmm. i i don't belong I don't. I shouldn't be doing this. I, I'm doing something terrible. 
So I can very much see where she was coming from. And just having that kind of turned to a joke made me kind of angry. Hmm. Yeah, Naoto is an interesting character. Like, I, I think that's like the biggest holdup with a lot of people for Persona 4 mm-hmm. is like those two particular storylines, right? And right. I don't know like that you can easily dismiss them. Um, and I, I don't know if like it's disqualifying, like, does it outweigh like all the good about uh, Yukiko and Chie's relationship, for example? Right. Yeah, it's not an easy answer by any means. Uh, Turns out media is complicated, and there's no <laughs> hard and fast like thing. Like, like you got to weigh a whole bunch of different components. And yeah, like I, I, it's hard for me to look at anything in Persona Four and be like, this is disqualifying. It has no, this exactly. thing, and therefore it cannot be on this list. But uh, I, I do think that it's. They deserve to be called out for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Life is hard. How dare it be? So I guess what it gets down to, Nadia, is like, I'm still torn. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I think either one of these could be in the spot. You know, I totally agree. And I think some people are probably going to be like, hey, that's a cop out. But well, sorry, we tried. We had this big, long discussion for you. Going to put a Persona game here because I think Persona 4 is one of the best dang JRPGs of the past 15 years. Fight me. It is definitely one of the most important ones. Uh, I, it w- I will say it has like kind of that important status. I mean, f- five does as well, of course, but four uh, brought in a whole bunch of people, and so did five, but four really kind of paved the way. I think four paved the way, but five was the real breakout. Yeah. Like people paid, people were like kind of going, oh, cool, four. Like four started the word of mouth and like it became more and more popular, but it was the popularity of four that galvanized so many people to check out Mm -hmm. five that gave Atlas the green light to really throw everything they had into promoting it. Right. And made it a big deal when it ultimately came out. And when, you know, like it spurred a lot of debate about various elements of it. And there were plenty of people who came away going, I didn't actually like persona five. In fact, it wasn't to my taste, but enough people loved it that it ended up on a lot of game of the year lists. And absolutely. I think the thing with, I think I'm going back to where I was originally, which is that Persona 5 has only been out for a year. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm still turning a lot of the things that about it over in my mind. And I'm curious to see like what I'm still remembering about it in a couple years. Um, I, I think that Persona 4, like I played that game five years ago now. And I, I, and there's still a, a ton that I really love about it. And in, I think it holds up really well. Like I was mm-hmm. looking at YouTube videos like just today, just to kind of refresh myself and brush myself up. And I'm like, ah, oh, I remember that scene. And I remember that moment. And like, even though it's on the Vita and I wish it were on switch or something like that, yes, like, please. I wouldn't have a hard time um, recommending it. Like I, I think that of out of a lot of the games that we've talked about on this list so far, I think that it's pretty easy to recommend to somebody right now. Yeah, definitely. It deserves uh, to be like at the number nine spot easy. I don't know which one I would recommend to somebody, Persona 4 or Persona 5. That's the hard one, isn't it? I would personally recommend 5 because even though 4 does have the better character interactions, better translations, better story, I feel like if you don't know... A Persona game, like 5 is a, a the, the flash and wow of 5 might really get you into it. But then again, like, I, I think uh, Hiran, our, our guides person, he did not like 4 after after 
five. Like, he loved five, and then he tried four, and he didn't like it. Didn't he like three the best? It seems like he Did likes he? three the best. Because <laughs> he played no. Kieran is adorable, because he's like 22, and yeah, he, he's a child. he is playing all of these old games now that he never really got to experience. Like, he was born after Link's Awakening came out, for example. Oh, my God. Like, I think Breath he? of the Wild was his first uh, Zelda game. <laughs> and uh-huh. so he was like asking for advice on what to play and we're like dude get a 3ds you can play like every zelda game on there yeah. and like tons of other games and he's like he likes anime so he likes my hero academia and that kind of thing and so like we're like we're suggesting things that like, he played like all of the persona games now and like he has opinions on them so it's been it's been a lot of fun watching him kind of get into them but i do find it interesting that persona 3 was the one he gravitated to like he seemed to really like persona 3 I didn't know he even played it, so that's actually very interesting that he would like three and five, but not four. Because he had a he had a Vita, and so he was playing mm-hmm. it. He was playing a P3 Portable on that because he was like, "Which right. one should I play, Fez or Portable?" And like Katie and I were like, "Portable, yeah, go for that." <laughs> portable lets you play as a girl. Like I will say that much. That's pretty cool. So yeah, like I, I, I think I'm going to be kicking the this one just a tiny punting this one just a tiny bit. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put this episode up and basically kind of open up to you, open up the floor to you guys. And uh, of the two, like, which one do you think uh, kind of deserves to be enshrined on this list, I guess? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's an interesting question. I think both of them are fine RPGs in their own rights and Definitely. certainly significant and wonderful in their own right. But yeah, no, like, I'm, I'm genuinely torn. Well, that was an interesting conversation, Nadia. Uh, as usual, we're going to have some emails and comments from people. Um, P-Dub's like, man, I'm excited if Baldur's Gate 2 just barely makes it to the top 10. Can't wait to hear what those other choices are. And Sammy J 9 um, went through and made some predictions. Are you ready for this? Okay. Yes. Um, so they picked, uh, they said that Planescape Torment, a Final Fantasy game, and Fallout 1 or 2, based on uh, them being mentioned on uh, previously um, as being on the list. Um, and games that, quote, they think, they think that we've mentioned are basically confirmed, which are three, Chrono Trigger, which leaves four more. So if I'm speculating, probably Suikoden into and maybe a Dragon Quest game still leaves a couple unknowns, though. Edit, maybe Secret of Mana or a Persona game. Place your bets. They all won. Mgani Mganai says, I anticipate System Shock 2 and Deus Ex in the top 10. Please know Witcher 3. And to which I replied, <laughs> Deus Ex has already been done. <laughs> well, yep. It's uh, it's passed. It's time has come. Tabricarn says, I've played both Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2 enhanced editions in the past year. After only playing about eight years, Tabricarn says, I've played both Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2 enhanced edition in the past year after only playing about eight hours of each when they originally came out on PC. I can say with certainty that they still hold up and hold their very own, their own against any of the newer games that have come out in the, in the recent isometric CRPG revival. Pacing is much quicker than I had remembered, and the game is just packed with content. Every side quest is fleshed out with more story details that enhance the world, but it doesn't bog the game down. There are no simple fetch quests. Everything has a purpose. And kudos to Beamdog to added adding additional quests and companion characters into the game in a seamless way. 
And Aloran says, excellent edition of Mr. Goodfellow this week. Thanks for the conversation. Nadia, we're getting close. We are getting close to the end of the year conversations. Yeah, we're getting very close. We're actually uh, drafting our end of the year lists and everything like that. Yep, I'm playing the last couple games uh, of the year right now for review, which is very exciting. We're going to do something a little different in December. We are going to have a bunch of people on, and we are going to have a full-blown game of the year discussion on this podcast. It's not just going to be RPGs. It's going to be all of the games, and it's going to be a special game on the list because we don't have a we don't have a flagship podcast anymore because no, um, I don't have time to edit two podcasts a week, and and it no. was also taking up like a good chunk of the staff for like most of Wednesday. <laughs> We'd be gone. Like okay, like someone break major news. Hey, who's writing this? Uh, nobody. <laughs> but it seems like it still seems a bummer to it not is. have a game of the year podcast discussion since we have a podcast. So we're gonna do that. We are going to have a very special episode, and it's gonna be coming out in the next couple weeks so that'll be a lot of fun in the meantime be fun. it's about time to start taking stock of the 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 in year 2018 and rpgs talking about it seeing how we felt about all the games that came out picking our, some of our favorites and also continuing on with the top 25 rpg countdown which is oh so close to being done we're not yes. that far we're gonna be done in early 2019 uh, it seems impossible feels like we've been doing this forever nadia uh, I, when did we start? Was it like the summer? It must have been the summer. Uh, yeah, I think it might have been May. Wow. Yeah. but Back when it was warm and sunny. Even when it's done, it will always be in our heart. Let it us will. know what you think. Persona 4, Persona 5 in the comments. And I'm sure I'm going to get plenty of people who are like, Persona 3! So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so let us know. Uh, in the meantime... You can find us on all of the social medias and all of that kind of thing, the underscore catpot at Naughty Oxford, US Gamer Net. Make sure to leave us a review. We always appreciate that and it makes us feel good. Um, and of course, it helps the visibility of the podcast. But until next week, we'll be back again as always. And for Nadia and myself, thanks for listening. Happy adventuring. <laughs>